0: Hey friends, this is Michael Bone with Youth Apologetics Training. Uh, Today we're going to have a special guest with us. We're going to be talking with Warren Smith. Uh, Warren Smith, author of uh, the book Another Jesus Calling, as well as several others. We'll ask him about those later. Uh, Warren Smith is an ex-New Ager. He spent a, a good portion of his life studying New Age Beliefs because of that, he's going to have an interesting perspective on a book that we're going to be talking about tonight, Another Jesus Calling. Now, uh, this is a book that was written in response to Sarah Young's book, Jesus Calling. Uh, Jesus Calling, as you guys are going to see, uh, is, well, it's paraded or claimed to be a christian book uh but as we examine the teachings uh, of what we find in this book sarah young again her book jesus calling it is anything but christian it is very new age yes it has many scripture references uh but what you find in there are um new age practices and guys uh I can recognize this as well. As you, many of you know, um, I have a history in the New Age as well. As I was getting closer and closer to um, practicing Wicca, as well as even darker forms of witchcraft, I started with uh, studying ESP and New Age beliefs. All right? It was all part of this path down, uh, <laughs> downward, I should just say. Uh, so as I'm reading through Warren Smith's book, on another Jesus Calling where he critiques this Jesus Calling book of Sarah Young's, I, I'm consistently and constantly nodding my head, yes, yes, exactly, because that's the type of stuff I learned in the New Age. Some might argue, well, Satan is the great counterfeiter, and you know, this is stuff that Christ first prescribed prescribed to us you know these are christian practices and satan came along and stole them and perverted them well we'll see we'll address that issue today as we go so anyway with that let's invite warren smith welcome to the youth apologetics training
1: podcast thanks good to be with you
0: so uh, warren uh, first of all yeah i want to talk about your book another jesus calling um, and it's, well, uh, potential New Age implications. But first of all, what is the New Age? What is that? And uh, how did you get involved with the New Age? Now, friends, just you know, Warren is, uh, Warren is out of the New Age now. Uh, he's a saved believer. But yeah, Warren, how did you get involved with the New Age?
1: Well, uh, I guess the real simple definition of the New Age, uh, the New Age is simply uh, founded on the belief that Every person has a divine aspect. In other words, God is in everyone and everything. Uh, Psalm 11:3 says, "If the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? The new age comes in with a new foundation. Instead of being a sinner and a savior, um, we were told that we save ourselves by recognizing that we are divine, that we are a part of God. So every person in the universe, you know, is a part of God, a cell in the body of God. All of humanity is seen as being the body of God. So it sounds pretty bizarre to uh, to people that know the Bible uh, and believe the Bible, but um, I didn't. And the way that I got involved in the New Age was I was living in uh, Northern California, and, you know, all of us were searching and looking for answers, and uh, I had a... uh, Waitress that I was kind of interested in, in, a, in a restaurant in town, and uh, she came over. Oh. Dinner, she came over for dinner one night and said that uh, in the course of our evening's conversation, and she said um, a friend of a friend of hers was coming in from Canada, and she was a psychic. Would I like a psychic reading? And I really didn't, but I was trying to ingratiate myself <laughs> to the waitress, so I went ahead <laughs> and set it up. And so I had this interview, uh, or the psychic reading rather. And during the psychic reading, uh, the psychic was telling me all sorts of stuff about myself that she had no business knowing. I hadn't said anything about any of these things to the waitress. And uh, those that are familiar with uh, Acts 16, when uh, Paul and Silas were in Philippi, there was a psychic, a soothsayer that was following around behind them and just harassing him and saying, oh, you're from the Most High God, and he finally just addressed what was a divining spirit? He said, "Spirit of divination." In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave, and it left. And then uh, this psychic could no longer do her readings, and the people that were making money from that couldn't, didn't have any money coming in, so they were upset. At Paul and Silas had them thrown in the Philippian jail, and the whole scene with the Philippian jailer, you know, getting saved and. Baptized and everything it was the result of a psychic being put out of business because the divining spirit was doing the reading it wasn't some gift that the, the woman had it was a, it was a spirit so I didn't know any of this stuff I didn't know the Bible I was brought up in a very liberal church where we just kind of went through the motions and it was really nothing deep going on and I just didn't have any background so I was impressed when she was telling me all these things about myself that had re- no, she had no reason to know but then towards the end of the reading, there was kind of like a whirling sensation over the top of my head, sort of a tingling. Uh-oh. Yeah, and I, I'm going, what is going on? This is really strange. And without my saying anything to her, she said, are you aware there's a ball of light over your head right now? And I said, I, I don't know what that is, but I can feel it. And I said, what's a ball of light doing over my head? And she said, you have a lot of help on the other side. And I said, what do you mean by the other side? And she said... Uh, angels, uh, loved ones that have passed on, spirits that are interested in your well-being they want to get involved in your life, but they need your permission and Ooh. I thought this was kind of neat because you know I, one of the things that the psychic had told me was I was physically and mentally overbalanced. I had almost no spiritual inclination, which is true. and so I thought, hey, this is kind of kind of neat and uh, so that night on the flat roof of my house, I prayed and looking up at the heavens I kind of flashed over my life and I said you on the other side I want to be more spiritual I want to grow come into my life and I guess anybody that knows the Lord and knows the Bible realizes that that was like a reverse sinners prayer it was like I just I just asked the spirit world to come in I was completely sincere but sincerely deceived and uh, I think a lot of people don't think that you know that you know, sincere people really are going to be taken advantage of, but it's like the devil feeds on that kind of thing. And so all of a sudden my life just started taking off like a rocket ship into a lot of alternative spirituality. I started meeting people. I got involved with the guru Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, who was over in India and then later came over to Oregon and uh, set up his ashram up there in uh, Antelope, Oregon. I got involved with uh, a channeler who was... Uh, Doing sort of along the lines of what the psychic was, but he was channeling uh, a thing called the Source and answering all sorts of questions. And ultimately, I got involved with a thing called a Course in Miracles. And oh, yeah. uh, uh-huh. are you familiar with that?
0: Yeah, that's something that was uh, promoted by Oprah for a while.
1: Yeah, um, Course in Miracles is reputedly new revelation from Jesus Christ, helping to clarify mistaken notions about Christianity. You know. Ha, ha, ha. It's kind of like mm-hmm. the way the devil comes in. New truth, new revelation. Can't trust everything in the Bible. That's his line. So um, this this Course in Miracles, reputedly from Jesus, was channeled through a woman in New York City. And it became a three-volume set of books called The Course in Miracles. And uh, in 1992, my book, The Light That Was Dark, From the New Age to Amazing Grace, was my testimony and a warning about the New Age and about The Course in Miracles, and that same year, as my book was being edited at Moody Press, uh, Oprah Winfrey had a woman by the name of Marianne Williamson on her program. Mm-hmm. And Marianne Williamson had written a book called A Return to Love, Reflections on the Principles of A Course in Miracles. And Oprah said on that program that she thought that Marianne Williamson's book was one of the best books she'd ever read. She bought a thousand copies, and she said, The principles of A Course in Miracles can change the world. And, oh, wow. and she's, she's actually had, that was in 1992 and 2008, Williamson taught The Course in Miracles on a daily basis, three times a day on Oprah radio. She's been on Oprah's TV program many times. And uh, here's, here are some of the principles of The Course in Miracles that Oprah thinks could change the world. These are reputedly from Jesus Christ himself. These are direct quotes. The recognition, this is what Jesus supposedly is saying to the world today. The recognition of God is the recognition of yourself. Um, oh. Do not make the pathetic error of clinging to the old rugged cross. Um, the journey to the cross is the last useless journey. A slain Christ has no meaning. There is no sin. There is no evil. There is no devil. Now, any Christian re- listening to this will say, "Well, that's ridiculous." Well, it is. It's it's absolute. It's it's heresy. It's blasphemy. But it's also extremely popular, especially since Oprah has been pushing it. Now, all of this is sandwiched between um, a lot of scripture, um, a lot of um, talk about, you know, gratitude and forgiveness, and thankfulness, and um, sure. just all the kind of principles you'd find in the Bible. But it's all skewed with this foundational blasphemy. So it's really a, a part of the conditioning from Antichrist that's come into the world. And there are just tons of people like myself that didn't know any better. And um, interestingly, when I was in the New Age, I was deeply involved in the New Age for five years. And uh, I did a lot of psychology and stuff sort of leading up to it, but then heavily involved for five years. And I was working as a social worker in an office. and I had three evangelical Christians working in my office. And not one of them ever came up to me and really you know, tried to explain how deceived I was or approached me. One of them very sheepishly gave me a Bible one day, but didn't really say anything. <laughs> they just didn't know what to do. And unfortunately, I think most Christians just don't know what to do with a lot of people that are messing around with this stuff. And it's very important that people understand um, how some of this deception, especially through someone as powerful, uh, such a powerful communicator as Oprah, They need to know that this is, this is, and she says she's a Christian, so this is her Christianity. It's this New Age Christianity, which is no Christianity at all. It's, uh, it's the New Age. It's heresy. So a lot of it, Michael, really comes down to, you know, people are getting new revelation, new truths. They're getting hit with spiritual experiences and the Word of God is getting left in the dust. So people want a Word from God rather than the Word of God, And then you've got things like the Message Bible, which oh. uh, Eugene Peterson just sat down and just rewrote the Bible. And, you know, there's some really poor, poor translations, yeah. but it's more than just like poor translations. They actually feed right into some of the New Age stuff. For instance, in uh, sure, sure. 1 Timothy 4.1, in the Bible, uh, it says, "...the Spirit speaketh expressly, then the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits." uh peterson writes don't go chasing after demonic illusions so he's completely (laughs) flipped that whole thing upside down in the middle in the middle of the lord's prayer instead of in earth as it is in heaven peterson says as above so below now you know i think maybe from your background you know what that is you know it's it's the key to all magic and all mysteries and i i was very aware of it in the new age and what is that doing in the middle of the lord's prayer and what is if Peterson is claiming to be led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would not have him put the key to all magic and all mysteries right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. And actually putting those words in Jesus' mouth, which is, what, which is what has happened recently with the book Jesus Calling, a very popular book. Um, words are being put into Jesus's mouth as if they're coming from Jesus, and some of the teachings are clearly uh, New Age and blasphemous.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so Jesus Calling. What is that book? And and I guess I'm curious to know how influential is that book?
1: Well, it's it sold over 10 million copies, and it's uh, last year it was the number two best selling nonfiction book of all books in the country. Hey, before we get to wow. let just let me just say one thing, though, because there's probably okay. there's people probably out there wondering, well, okay, you were involved in the New Age. How did you get out of the New Age? So, oh, yeah, I, good, good. So I just want to say, yeah, I kind of jumped to Jesus Calling, but I just want to say that um, things were just flying high. You know, I was... My wife and I were sort of leading workshops in our town. We were like new age evangelists, telling everybody that you know there was a new thing that was happening, and Jesus was explaining what you know what he what his teachings really meant. You know what what he really meant was always the the, the kind of the thing that was being uh, pushed. You know, like you have to understand what he was really saying. And so everything was going really good, and then uh, without going into great detail, we suddenly had to deal with uh, something that felt oppressive. And it was like it was totally totally contrary to what we had been experiencing, just kind of flying high with all of our new age stuff and uh, none of our new age solutions worked you know we we did affirmations we uh you know we sent love and light, we did our meditations, and nothing seemed to deal with this periodic coming and going of something that was oppressive. so I was down in Southern California um, at Christmas time one year and we thought we'd put some space between this oppression. See there's no evil in the new age. There's no nothing demonic. It's just anything that seems oppressive or dark is just a a reflection of your own inner fears. That's what we were told. So huh. so you go inside yourself to fix what's wrong and then when you do that then you don't feel or you know experience the oppression anymore. So obviously that's not the case. There is a devil, there is evil, there uh-huh. are demonic forces and um, but we didn't know any of that. So anyway, um, I was at a bookstore called the Either Or Bookstore in Hermosa Beach, Southern California and I was in the New Age Healing section because that's where I look for answers and it was a book called The Beautiful Side of Evil by a woman named Johanna Michelson. Never heard of the book, never, never heard of the author. Are you familiar with that book?
0: Uh, uh, it's very
1: familiar. Well, it, it was the standard it was a Classic book back in the 1980s and early 90s. A woman who came out of the occult. She was working with a, a, a chandler in Mexico City, and there, and this spirit named Hermanito was working through this woman named Pachita, and people were getting healed, and it was totally, you know, metaphysical, new age. Uh, you know, I mean, people can get healed, but it's a false healing, and it's also when you get healed through occult measures. Um, you pay a price spiritually. You know, you may, Oh, yeah, you may get Yeah, you may get some kind of relief or seeming relief, but then you, you pay a spiritual price. Anyway, uh, I started reading this woman's book, and it was amazing. I mean, she'd gone through a lot of the same experiences we had. She didn't start off by saying, I'm a Christian and you need to accept Jesus Christ, because I probably would have closed the book and just went, no, I'm not going to read this. But she started off with her childhood and how she dealt with some things that were kind of weird sort of spiritual things and then how she got involved with teaching yoga and and then ended up in Mexico City and then all of a sudden she had to deal with something that felt a little oppressive and make a long story short she started rolling out scripture and I went oh this is interesting so I had my my notebook out and I was on the floor writing down scriptures and what she was you know providing in the way of uh, Christian relief for what we were experiencing as I was writing this uh, a homeless mentally yoga that had been on the street um, uh, several days before I'd seen him there, he came into the store back to where I was on the floor and started screaming at me and asking me if I was going to buy that book. What are you doing with that book? And I just went, whoa, you know, just, is evil real? And it, Can evil be orchestrated to come off the street and try to keep me from reading about it? And I was like, yeah, that's what it seemed like. So I, I worked with homeless people uh, all through my social work career, and I, I just dealt with him, and he he left, and I wrote down the ultimate answer that she had for dealing with evil, and the next day, when this uh, presence was again there, and particularly was sort of harassing my wife, uh, I went out in the backyard with her, and I, I said, Joy, I said, um, I try something a little different. Don't be scared, <laughs> and I I read exactly what Johanna had written in her book, and I said, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ at Nazareth, I forbid your presence here, I claim the blood of Jesus Christ, I claim the victory of the cross of Calvary, leave and go to where Jesus would send you. And it was like, it was like gone. Bam. And Joyce said, what was that? And I said, well, I'm not totally sure, but I think it has something clearly to do with the victory that Jesus won on the cross of Calvary over a devil, (laughs) a real Satan, and over evil, and over sin. And I said, I think we need to start reading the Bible. Oh, man. And and so it took us a little while. And we didn't just get it that day. You'd think we would, but, you know, when you're deceived. But people have asked, well, how can you do that when you're not a believer? And what I would say is that, um, remember this story in the the book of uh, Acts about the Ethiopian eunuch was reading the book of Isaiah, and he didn't really understand it. Philip was sent alongside to explain, and then he got saved and got baptized right on the spot. I believe that Johanna Michaelson, you know, a Christian woman, wrote this book, and I believed what she was telling me. It wasn't like, like the sons of Sceva, where you go in the name of Johanna Michelson's Jesus, leave. It was like I really believed what she was telling me, and so um, I really believe the Lord honored that, and so um, we just we started off understanding that. We're in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle, and almost as brand new believers, we would go into churches, and they would, you know, little old lady would come up and say, "Oh, Mister Smith, uh, you know, are you a Christian?" I said, "Yeah." And she said, "How long have you been a Christian?" I said, "Well, thirty days." Well, uh, thirty <laughs> days. Well, how did you come to know the Lord? Well, uh, we got involved with the New Age and the occult, and then uh, there were these. Um, demonic spirits and we learn to call on the victory of the cross of calvary and say oh mr smith the uh, coffee and the donuts are right over there and uh, i just really have hope they're so glad you're here and they'd almost run away and we this church after church after church you know and i tell my wife i'd say well what's going on here don't don't these guys understand there's a battle going on and don't they understand about the victory that I mean, it's a real victory that was won on the cross isn't it just something you just proclaim in the song i mean it's, it's real. It's not just something in right. your mouth. And so finally, you know, like after going church after church, there was a visiting pastor at a church that we went to, and he said, so are you guys Christians? I said, yeah. He said, how long have you been believers? And I said, well, a couple of months. And he said, how'd you come to the Lord? And I told him, and we sort of expected the same old thing, and he looked right in my eyes, and he said, yeah, I could tell you some stories. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. He understands. So really what we've got going on here, Michael, is we've got a church that unfortunately is into feeling good and into experiencing God rather than really understanding and knowing God first. Um, Certainly the Lord can speak to any of us. He certainly leads us when we pray and we ask for his leading. But we've gotten to a stage now in the church where people are almost expecting some kind of, the big word is encounter. You know, have you had a spiritual encounter with the Lord? Yes. You know, experiencing
0: are you, Christ. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, or, or in sort of like uh, conjuring up His presence, like you. Yes. You, in worship, you know, you just you do all this worship and you bring in His presence, and you know, and you know, yeah, we want to worship the Lord. But I remember one time I was at a um, presentation by uh, two women. Uh, one of them had come out of Satanism. And uh, the group started singing, and she said, Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're getting entirely too emotional. You have to just let's be careful here because when you get really emotional, the demonic can move in. And I've noticed that a lot of the contemporary praise songs. I told a friend of mine, he's a 6'5, 280 pound Pentecostal pastor, and I said, Hey, Bob. I said, <laughs> You know, half the contemporary praise songs that they've got today could be sung to the Antichrist. And he went, Whoa, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're a far cry from the very, you know, deeply um, scriptural hymns that were sung in the church for years. And That's um, right. a lot of the contemporary praise music is just, it's repetitious. It gets you into kind of a, a, a dull, numb sort of state where you sort of go into almost a mesmeric, meditative kind of thing. And you're just not as alert. And if you're really paying attention, a lot of them, you'll just, it could be sung to anybody or anything. right right. so anyway um, I think what what I've noticed you know I've been doing this now for 30 years I've been in the faith and it was a long time ago that I got saved when we came out of the new age but we were at the early stages of the new age and we were helping to bring it on so I've I've kind of watched you know I watched in uh, the course of miracles of course coming in I watched Oprah's influence the way she's become sort of a new-age priestess and false one chief false prophets prophetesses in the world she's brought in just about every new age teacher um she does a lot of good things so it's kind of beguiling because it seems like she's really nice she helps a lot of people maybe and you know now she's touring with rob bell you know calls himself an evangelical pastor and he's actually touring with her and uh so it's it's um it's kind of been going on for a long time with oprah and then i noticed uh they had the whole holy laughter phenomenon up in the so-called Toronto Blessing with Rodney Howard Mm -hmm. Brown. And interestingly, Rodney Howard Brown is leading the way in uh, revival today. He actually is doing revival conferences, and he's got some fairly big-name Christians speaking with him. Uh, This is the guy that... I mean, if anybody wants to know what holy laughter is, go go on YouTube and just put Rodney Howard Brown, holy laughter. And he would just walk around a church and just crack up and laugh and then he'd you know, lay hands on people and people would get this holy laughter anointing they'd fall down on the floor and mm. laugh and like, bark like dogs I and mean, it was ridiculous
0: Ugh, Rodney Howard ba- Brown isn't he also the guy referred to as the holy ghost bartender that's and he that, would yes, he that. would mo- He would like actually act like he was drinking yep. some kind of godka like vodka godka and he would get drunk or act like he's getting drunk. Well, he,
1: he, said, it's really that, just a, yeah. he said that at uh-huh. Pentecost, you know, they thought these people were drunk, and he's saying that the Holy Spirit is filling the church with revival and laughter, a spirit of laughter, a spirit of joy. They would equate laughter with joy. Um, I actually wrote an article back in 1994 called uh, Holy Laughter or Strong Delusion. It can still be uh, Googled and found. But I mean, this is a guy who was in Washington, D.C. Um, just last year in a Celebrate America conference that had uh, the chaplain from the U.S. Senate, a congresswoman from Minnesota, uh, Jonathan Kahn, the author of The Harbinger. They had a harbinger night with Rodney Howard Brown and Jonathan Kahn. I mean, if if people don't watch it and they just get caught up in a lot of emotion and a lot of spiritual experience, they're going to get led into exactly what (laughs) we're starting to talk about, which is this book, Jesus Calling, Jesus Calling is a woman, Sarah Young, who who has written a number of books, but the one that's really gained the most attention is Jesus Calling. She said that she read a book called God Calling that inspired her to get messages from Jesus. This is very similar to what we did in the New Age. This is very similar to the Jesus that provided the messages that became the Course in Miracles. And so she said that um, after being inspired by this book, God Calling, she started writing down the messages that she was getting from Jesus, and she put them in the form of a devotional, a 365-day you know, devotional, a yearly devotional. And so each one of these days is the mes- is the message. Each day is a message that she got, supposedly, from Jesus. And um, people were just buying multiple copies of this book. I know some people have bought 20, 50 copies given mm. as presents. And um, the question is was she really getting these messages from Jesus? And most people aren't even asking that. They just kind of they like the book. It makes them feel good. And yep. and yet, how do we know that she was really hearing from Jesus? Well, you can take what she was told by Jesus for one thing and you can compare it to scripture. And there are things in her book that contradict scripture. And Jesus doesn't contradict himself. He's you know, God is not the author of confusion. I'll give you an example. Um, on October 15th and on one other day, um, her Jesus says, I am with you always. These were the last words I spoke before I ascended into heaven. Well, if you're not careful, I can slip right past you, but I am with you always is Matthew 28 and he spoke those after his resurrection on the Mount of Galilee. Yeah. His yeah. His last words were actually spoken in Acts 1, when he was just before he was taken up into the cloud, he said, "You'll be my witnesses." those were his last words. I pointed that out in my book Another Jesus calling, um, the, in basically the New age implications of Jesus calling, but you know another Jesus calling. And I pointed that out in my book, which came out about a year ago. and Thomas Nelson and, and Sarah Young, Thomas Nelson is the publisher of her book, they just came out with a 10th anniversary edition of Jesus Calling, and they removed that. Mm-hmm. They basically have changed the wording, and they just, instead of saying, these were the last words I spoke, it now says, after my resurrection, you know, I said these things. So, in other words, Jesus has corrected himself. Mm, yep. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, exactly. And no explanation, no apology, no one would ever know, but I've written a booklet that um, Lighthouse Trails Publishing had published my book, Jesus Calling. Also, I have a booklet now that's available called Changing Jesus Calling, Damage Control for a False Christ. And I started off, here, I'll just read the beginning of what I said here. What if you're a major publisher like Thomas Nelson, and you suddenly discover that your mega best-selling book, Jesus Calling, was inspired by a channeled New Age book? And remember I mentioned that she was inspired by God Calling? God Calling is a channeled New Age book. The Encyclopedia of New Age Beliefs, written by John Ankerberg and John Weldon and published by uh, Harvest House Christian Publishers, has a whole section on channeling and they talk about how God Calling is a channeled New Age book. So Sarah Young was inspired by a channeled New Age book. This woman in God Calling, or these two women, got messages from Jesus, their New Age, and this is what inspired her. Guess what? God calling has been removed from recent editions of Jesus calling. So they got rid of that. Oh, really? Yeah, it's kind of, do you remember, I don't know how old you are, but you remember the, the, you probably read about the Watergate (laughs) tapes, you know, where there was this missing missing 18 and a half minutes in the Watergate tapes. And they just, you know, there was a problem there, obviously, and they just deleted it. They just took it out, you know, gone, you know, going, going, gone. So (sighs) this is what they've done with a number of the concerns that I have in my book. Another Jesus calling. They've just simply changed the words, you know, or removed it. So um, I said, that what if you find out uh, that some of the messages your author received from her Jesus weren't really from Jesus because they contradict what the real Jesus says in the Bible? And what if your best-selling author has introduced a host of other problems in her book that your usually sharp editors had somehow overlooked? What do you do, given these issues are already in the pages of 10 million previously published books? If you want to be fair to your readers, you deal honestly with these problems as they're brought to your attention. However, if you are more interested in protecting your product than in protecting the truth, you do everything in your power to make these problems disappear. One thing's for sure. Sarah Young and Thomas Nelson have made some of their problems suddenly disappear in recent editions of Jesus Calling. So there's a lot of New Age language in Jesus Calling. Uh, I've got a whole chapter just on overlapping terms. Uh, the Jesus of Jesus Calling actually says not to hesitate to go out on a limb with him. That, that was a book by Shirley MacLaine, Out on a Limb. It's sure. like a New Age classic. You think that the real Jesus is going to just nonchalantly just throw out the name of a of a, one of the most highly best-selling books that's ever been published. And he, in another place, the Jesus of Jesus Calling says... Um, to, uh, take the road less traveled that's M Scott Peck. that's a contemplative, right, right. Co- contemplative new age book um,
0: it, it, it sounds like another spirit is giving a shout out to uh, some of you know some some other new age writings
1: yeah you know what it is, is it's um, second Corinthians 11 uh, three to four but I fear Apostle Paul said, "Lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we've not preached, another Jesus; or if he receive another Spirit which he have not received, or another gospel which he have not accepted, you might be- bear with him. He's basically warning that there are other Jesus's out there. There are other yeah. spirits to come with it, and." You know, what did Jesus warn about in Matthew 24, 3-5, to 5, when his disciples said, Lord, what will be the sign of your return and the end of the world? He said, take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. I believe with all of my heart that Sarah Young has been deceived, and she's deceiving millions of people with her into thinking that what she's or who she's hearing from is the real Jesus Christ but again Jesus doesn't contradict himself by saying things that aren't true what she said in her book was that she got messages from Jesus now what they're saying in the new editions is that these are devotions that she gleaned with her Bible open they've taken oh, away really? the, yeah, they've taken away the messages but in the child's version of Jesus calling if anybody's got the child's version of Jesus calling you might want to get rid of it in that book, she says these devotions are messages I received from him. And in the in that book, for kids and for adults, uh, they refer or her Jesus refers to Abraham as an idolater and a son s o n worshiper, and he was Ugh. a man a man of undisciplined emotions. Now that's been replaced by Joseph and Jacob. They have literally cut and pasted the same. Words except they've inserted Joseph and Jacob, and it's a little bit more a little bit more tenable that you know Jacob had showed some favoritism obviously to Joseph, so they, they tried to kind of patch that in. This is this is you know a a, a real um, transparent effort to <laughs> do damage control to a very vulnerable book, and um, what we've noticed is that there is a spirit that seems to come with this book that makes people feel comforted and good. And that doesn't mean that there isn't, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in her book that's just fine. But there's a guy named Harry Ironside. Yeah. He was a a pastor. Are you familiar with him?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. He was a a pastor at Moody Bible Church in Chicago. And he said, um, in a very interesting, people can download this on the Internet, it's called, Is Exposing Error Worthwhile? Dr. Harry Ironside. He said, Error is like leaven, of which we read, A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Truth mixed with error is equivalent to all error, except that it's more innocent-looking and therefore more dangerous. God hates such a mixture, calling for definite exposure and repudiation. To condone such is to be unfaithful to God in his word, and treacherous to imperiled souls for whom Christ died. So, you know, there's a lot of credibility that comes when you sandwich untruth with truth. You know, you respond to the truth and it sort of gives a a feeling of truth to things that are not accurate, not true. And that's what we find in Jesus Calling. I was willing to give Sarah Young the benefit of the doubt, um, but now that they're doing all this changing and rearranging and deleting, um, they're obviously just trying to to save a, a sinking book and to try to keep people from recognizing that there are deep, deep problems. Again, jesus does not correct himself jesus does not he does not say things that are not true in scripture one of the things that was really interesting is that um at one point in her book jesus basically says uh that you you know you need to be um more discerning and he says ask my ask my spirit to um, help you be more discerning well that's not what the test of the spirits is in first john 4 1 Correct. If you, if you have a demonic spirit that's pretending to be Jesus and you ask that spirit, you know, to help you be discerning, I mean, that's ridiculous. You're asking a demonic spirit to help you be more discerning. What you do is, you know, you apply the test of the spirits in 1 John 4.1. It says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, you know, because false prophets come. And the, the test of the spirits is, did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? And did he come, you know, as God and to this world as, as a man? And so when they, and some of the false teachers will say that, but then they contradict it with other things that they do, or there were other things that prove that this is not, you know, a true Jesus Christ. So we've got other Jesuses out there. Uh, We've got a lot of scripture being thrown in the mix. Um, One of the things that really troubled me about Jesus calling is let me just read some of the statements that her Jesus said. And see if, Michael, see if this sounds like your Lord. He says, let me control your mind. These are all direct quotes. My main work is to clear out debris and clutter, making room for my spirit to take full possession. Sit quietly in my presence, letting my thoughts reprogram your thinking. Come to me with your defenses down, ready to be blessed and filled with my presence. Come to me with your defenses down. That's like the opposite of put on the floor armor of God and stand fast against the wiles of the devil. And I believe that this book book is one of the cleverest, you know i I really believe Sarah Young really thinks that she's hearing from Jesus, but she's also being confronted with some of the contradictions and i I would imagine she's a fairly confused woman right now because she's trying to hang on to a book that's gained her a lot of notoriety and a lot of money I mean ten million copies, and that's just a part of a whole complex of of different spin off books for kids and other books and I understand they're gonna be doing Bible studies now with Jesus calling. I think this oh, good this is an important part of the deception that Jesus warned. What was the sign, you know, of his coming, his ultimate coming and the end of the world and the number one thing that he said was, Take heed that no man deceive you. Deception. But now all we're hearing is about revival, and we've got the Holy Ghost bartender bringing on revival with Jesus Calling. We've got a, a pastor named Mark Battison who has a book yep. called The Circle Maker. How do you like this one? For someone that was involved, you were involved in uh, occultic stuff, he has a book called The Circle Maker, and he's saying you need to to make a circle and stand in that circle and pray. That's paganism. That's witchcraft. That's Satanism. That's right. That's um, you know.
0: right. You're, you're drawing a circle. I, I ended up doing a series on that book, um, oh, probably six months ago. Yeah, Good. it's Good. Uh, it's it's very, very occultic. Yeah. So,
1: hey, you know, I mean, we can just go through books like the Shack. There's a book called yep. Have Heart by a pastor in uh, outside of Nashville by the name of Steve Berger, and he says cool. that um, his deceased son Joshua is communicating with him and his wife in the church. And the book is oh, endorsed. On. The book is endorsed by Calvary Chapel pastor Greg Laurie. Um, no. And, uh, yeah. I mean, we're bringing in, communicating with the devil, we're bringing heaven down to earth, we're trying to, we're trying to uh, create an atmosphere where Jesus is just going to come and land and tell everybody what a great job they did, and, you know, excuse me, we're told that Antichrist will be coming. It wasn't, we weren't told that to make us feel bad, it's a reality. God saw the way the world would go, and that's what we're doing, and he just said, it's going to be bad. But now we're being told, it's revival, it's revival, God's doing a new thing, new revelation, new truths. So, you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of an overview of some of the stuff that I've done. I did a book on uh, Rick Warren called Deceived on Purpose, The New Age Implications of the Purpose-Driven yeah. Church. And in that book, Rick Warren said, it helps to know that Satan's entirely predictable. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> Talk about come to me with your defenses down. There's a perfect example. Oh, good, good, He also introduced hope and purpose by quoting Dr. Bernie Siegel. Dr. Bernie Siegel is, is a New Age doctor with a spirit guide named George. Um, that's how Rick Warren chose to introduce hope and purpose. Um, there, There's so many pastors like Rick Warren that are just trying to make you – they're trying to – trying to make everybody just come together as one, you know, go to Rome and get together with the Catholics, Christom, yeah. get together with the Muslims, he says, sure. hey, can't we all just get along? Jesus said this, Michael, he said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. If you hold fast to the true Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, and you hold fast to his word, you're not going to be well-liked in this world. There's, this is a complete myth, and Jesus said, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. They called me Beelzebub or Satan. They'll call you Beelzebub or Satan. The point that is made is that the world does not like the true Jesus Christ. The world likes Jesus calling, the Jesus of the shack, the Jesus of the message. You know, it's it's a it's a hybrid kind of false Christ that has some truth, but then there are these other new teachings. And what Rick Warren says in um, his book, The Purpose-Driven Life. He says, God rules everything, is everywhere, and is in everything. He takes right. Ephesians 4, right. 6, New Bible Version, and says that God's in everything. Same thing in the message. Same thing in the message. And, and uh, Peterson says, oneness pervades everything you are and think and do. Oneness is the bottom line. Everybody's a part of God. When we all recognize that we're all God, and we're all divine, when we all recognize that, we can awaken to a planet of peace. And this is yeah. the bottom line of the deception. And so, you know, I would just throw out Psalm 39, 5. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. We are not yeah. God. Jesus said um, that he did not, in John 2, 24, 25, he said he did not put his trust in man because he knew what was in man. Now, if he was in man just naturally, then, then he wouldn't say that. The way that the Holy Spirit, we're not God, but the Holy Spirit is sent to believers, those who believe in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary, and follow him and the disciples. Holy Spirit is sent, and in that sense, God dwells in his believers, but he does not naturally dwell in everybody. He didn't dwell in me until I realized how deceived I was and committed my life. Right. Then the Holy Spirit sent. So I know that's you know, kind of an overview of you know, kind of things that are going on, but I think my my advice to people would be, you know, in uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11, Bless Satan, get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. We better be alert. We have a lot of Christian leaders. Um, what is it? Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.8, If the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for the battle? Most of our Christian leaders are not warning about these things. They're doing the opposite. They're supporting books like The Shack, The Message, Purpose Driven um jesus calling well interestingly nobody's really supporting jesus calling but nobody's really criticizing it either it's just out there floating and it's presenting this whole idea that you can sit be quiet and do contemplative prayer wait to hear what jesus tells you but there's no warning about seducing spirits and testing the spirits so be be
0: still and know that i'm god
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. We used to, Michael. We used to say that in our New Age meditations. Listen to this. We, yeah. would, go, we would go, be still and know that I am God. And was like an, it was an affirmation that we said about ourselves being God. And why the church is picking up on that's not at all what um, what that psalm is saying. I mean, that is not an, an uh, encouragement to, to meditate. That is basically the Lord saying to the nations, be still and know that I am God. And it's also kind of telling his people, just be at peace and know that I'm here and, you know, I'll take care of you. But it's not, you know, like, hey, let's all meditate and sing Kumbaya. So, <laughs> so you know, do we need to hang our heads and feel bad about everything that's going on? Well, it's not much fun, but I think we can rejoice in the fact that we've been given God's truth. And we have, you know, an authoritative Bible if we don't get into the 1200 or whatever number are out there now that are changing God's word. But, you know, we, we just be so grateful that God gave us his truth and that we can measure everything. You know, like Acts, um, the book of Acts, it talks about, I think it's um, 1711 or something, where it says basically that the Bereans yep, were commended yep. for measuring, just you know, what was being said by the word of God to see if these things are so. We have yes. to be careful, but we don't. We don't and it's nothing negative to look at these things. The Bible encourages us to not be deceived if you look through the whole like the whole New Testament is just filled with warnings about evil workers and ungodly men and false prophets. and unfortunately, we've got a lot of them that are in key positions in the church right now. so anyway, it's been good uh, good doing a program with you, did you have any uh, any like last questions or anything?
0: Well, okay, I, I'm finding it interesting that uh, <clears throat> when you look at the new age. Uh, There is this concept of we are all part of God, okay? But when people start incorporating uh, elements of the New Age into Christianity, it becomes more of a, a panentheism where we're all part of God, but God is still above and beyond us, but we're all part of God. And, and that's what I'm seeing in books like Jesus Calling. And I'm seeing that in many groups, the Word of Faith movement, uh, your new apostolic reformation crowd. Uh, well, and I don't want people to get the idea that I think Roman Catholicism is, is Christian, but uh, they even have some uh, um, statements in their Catechism of the Catholic Church that suggest that we are um, – Attaining godhood in a sense. Yeah, I just I don't know. I
1: find that interesting. Yeah, I've got that in, in another Jesus calling uh, in the uh, Vatican II, uh, which is their you know their their doctrine. You know, it says basically that uh, uh, God became man so that man could become God. You know, I mean, it's like it's just flat out New Age right in the Catholic doctrine, and yet we're being told that there's. You know no reason that we can't join with the Catholic Church right now so but I'm glad you brought that up because that's the that's the the worldview that's being presented and brought into the church. Is God is not only transcendent out there he's imminent in each and every person that's yes that's Maitreya who's a false yep. Christ that says he's here on earth right now waiting to be called forth that's the new age and that's what we're being told um, by a lot of people like Rick Warren and others it's in the shack. Um, yeah. The, the, the uh, Jesus of the shack uh, says that God, who is the ground of all being, dwells in and around and through all things. And if you can, if you can just tweak, you know, if the devil can tweak that and get that into the church, which he's doing through a lot of these books, it's, it's also, by the way, on page one ninety nine in Jesus Calling, it says that uh, Jesus says, "I'm above all as well as in all. I am above all as well as in all." If that, if that is accepted, and they're trying to use quantum physics to uh, prove that God is a force field that interpenetrates his creation, God's not only transcendent, he's imminent inside each and every one. May the force be with you, you know, like in Star Wars. So you've hit upon, there's actually, if you go online, you can actually Google biblical panentheism and come up with a rationale that, that somehow that's biblical, that God's in everything. And we, oh. you know, in my books, uh, false Christ coming. Does anybody care? And um, some of my other books, like in Jesus Calling, I, I, I delineate, you know, the scriptures that clearly we are God is not His creation. It's
0: he's no. separate.
1: He's separate from His creation. So that's a good point that you made.
0: And uh, I guess another thing that I should bring up too is just the the idea that in. Another, I'm sorry. In Jesus Calling, uh, Sarah Young drops many different New Age words and concepts that uh, even I'm very familiar with when I was part of the New Age, uh, things like uh, practicing the presence. Mm-hmm. Boy, when I was part of the, the Word of Faith movement, I, I got saved in a, in a very hyper- charismatic type church and when I was there we were always quote unquote practicing the presence. Uh, Things like uh, we're co-creating with God, co-creating reality uh, name it and claim it the law of attraction uh, these types of ideas where you can bring reality into existence with your words. You can actually speak reality into existence so you can say things like I have great health And I am wealthy, even though you're probably not. And you can speak these things into existence. I have a brand new Corvette.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that that is. You're you're exactly right. There's this overlapping terminology. Like, uh, I don't know if you noticed uh, that uh, she prays for her family, and she said she visualized God's light around them. Well, visualization is a key. Occultic uh, concept again in the Encyclopedia of New Age beliefs. It warns about visualization. Um, there's the the overlapping terms that you talked about, like universal spirit, divine powers, yes. spirit forces, God power. A lot of those things are in God calling and in Jesus calling. A lot of these uh, same terms. You know, one that uh, just uh, I was thinking about. You know, we're talking about the sobriety of what's going on and you know, kind of like how Jesus warned about deception. You know what the Jesus of Jesus Calling says about the future? He says, the future is a phantom seeking to spook you. Laugh at the future. You know who probably agrees with that? Rodney Howard Brown, the whole it goes bartender. Sure. Right. So so there's just, yeah, there's so much. Uh, there's a lot of flattery. Uh, the Jesus of Jesus Calling says, um, see if this sounds like your Lord and Savior and my Lord and Savior. He says in Jesus Calling, When you trustingly whisper my name, my aching ears are soothed. As you listen to birds calling to one another, hear also my love call to you. When you walk through the day in trusting dependence on me, my aching heart is soothed. Feel your face tingle as you bask in my love light. Come on, these these, these things wouldn't make it onto a Hallmark card. You know I mean? these It's just really, really not the voice of our Lord, this is the voice of a stranger. How can so many people be deceived? I don't really have an answer for you, but I think part of it is, in Second Thessalonians it says that people perish because they don't have a love of the truth. They want an experience, mm. they want to feel good. Now, I, I feel really good in my faith, but it doesn't mean that my faith is easy or that we don't struggle or have some real challenges. But I think people just, they, things are so desperate these days, they just want revival, whatever shape, form it comes in, whether it's Rodney Howard Brown and Holy Laughter, whatever. I don't think there's anything in Scripture to indicate that God is going to universally just send revival to pull us out of some hole that we're in. I mean, yeah. we, we have revival when we repent of our sins, when we recognize that the, the, the truth of God's Word, and we we just, you know, we our spirits are just lifted up by His Word and by His Truth, and in Jeremiah 9:3, it warned about those who were not valiant for the truth. If you want to just have your ears tickled, then keep reading Jesus Calling. If you want to, if you want to follow your Lord, get rid of the book and uh, and read the Bible, and don't put so much emphasis on a spiritual experience. If God wants to give you a spiritual experience, He can do it, but don't try to conjure it up. That that becomes more like witchcraft or New Age.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I guess I have a theory on that. Uh, I'm curious to know if you would, you would agree, but uh, I think a lot of people that get, get caught up in these types of things, they they want to feel good, just like in the New Age, just like when you go, well, okay, just like when you had that reading, that psychic reading. She said good words to you. She had good words, fair speech, she had this thing that made you feel good. Kinda of like when you read uh your supposed um description, when you're reading astrology, uh or you know, and, and perhaps you're a Gemini and you sit down and you read this description and you're going, Wow, yeah, you know, that that's so me. And what it really is, is it's these compliments, these words that make you feel strong and better and important. You have a great cause. You see that a lot in Christianity as well, Um, especially in your hyper charismatic circles where God's got a great plan for you, brother. And the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that when I was sitting in the silence today, the Lord revealed to me a word for you. And people love that. They eat it up.
1: Yeah, you know what you're, what you're basically underlining is prophecy in Daniel uh, 11, 21. But he, Antichrist, shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. It says he's going to yeah. destroy wonderfully. It's going to look really good. What do they say about Oprah? She's wonderful. What does Jeremiah say in Jeremiah 5, 30, 31? He says, a wonderful and a horrible thing is committed in the land. My pro- the prophets prophesy falsely, and my people love to have it so it it's a wonderful and a horrible thing it looks wonderful but it's horrible jesus calling looks wonderful but it's a horrible book and i'm really sorry if i'm offending people but i would really suggest that you know if you're reading this book uh, or giving it out to others pray and ask god in all truth you want to be convicted but uh... the reason i wrote my book another jesus calling is i just i was flabbergasted that people were just going heads over heels with this book one woman who finally stopped reading Jesus Calling, said she felt like she almost went into withdrawal because the spirit was so strong. So, you know, there is a spirit that comes with this book that makes you feel good. So, we're living in the times that the Bible, you know, I mean, it's a pretty exciting time to be alive, but it's also a time where we need to not fall into deception. We need to stand up for the truth. And uh, that's a very good program, by the way, Stand Up for the Truth. that comes out of, uh, right near uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, they cover a lot of this material. Lighthouse Trails Publishing has a lot of really good books uh, about this stuff. Heroscope.org is a really good uh, website. Spiritual Research Network, Chris Lawson, really good place to go for, for good information. And don't let anybody, you know listeners out there, don't let anybody say that, oh, these people are they're negative, they're heresy hunters. These guys are not warning about anything. They're just beating the drum that we're going to be going into revival. Everything's just wonderful. It's not. We, unfortunately, have a lot of people in leadership right now that are not dealing with the reality of, of the deception that's come into the world. They're not talking about Oprah. They're not willing to critique one another when it's unbiblical. So um, it's just it's a, a sad state of affairs, but it's also what Jesus said would, would predominate towards the end.
0: Yeah, yeah um also friends uh check out uh warren's website it's warrenbsmith.com uh there's a lot of good books on there uh now i've read another jesus calling that is a fantastic book and i would recommend it to to any of you guys um also uh warren mentioned the light that was dark Uh, that is his testimony uh you did mention uh deceived on purpose too right
1: yeah, Deceived on Purpose, the New Age Implications of the Purpose-Driven Church. And the follow-up book was uh, A Wonderful Deception, which is uh, a continuation of just looking more deeply at uh, some of the things that Rick Warren's taught, some of the other people. Um, there's a man by the name of Leonard Sweet who doesn't have a really well-known yep. name, but he's he's very influential at higher circles. And he has a book called Soul Tsunami, front cover endorsement by Rick Warren. And in that book, Leonard Sweet, very interesting, he says... To survive in the postmodern culture, you need to learn to speak out of both sides of your mouth.
0: <laughs> kind of, and, then,
1: and then right after that he says God is not only imminent or transcendent, he's also imminent in everyone and everything. So if, if, if somebody says, well I saw Rick Warren on television and he quoted John 14:6," and I don't know what Warren Smith's talking about, well he's also saying things that contradict that. So, you know, you can't do that. You can't say the truth out of one side of your mouth and then contradict it with the other and come out, you know, a clear believer. There's something very strange going on and it's the way that we're being led into a lot of the deception in the church where they're sort of beating the drum and saying some of the right things from the Bible but then they're introducing circles that you pray in, speaking to the dead, Jesus calling. I mean, it's just, there's so many things that it's almost mind-boggling but the main Thing is to watch for that key new world view that God is in everyone and everything. That is what—that's the lie. I believe that is the lie that's talked about in Second Thessalonians. And if if that's accepted, mm. it's being brought up by a lot of a lot of today's teachers. And if they use quantum physics, remember uh, Michael in First Timothy six, uh, I think it's like nineteen to twenty-one. It warns about at least in the King James science falsely so-called, some have erred concerning the faith. I believe quantum quantum physics is going to be misused, taken into the spiritual realm, and they're going to try to show that the God particle is really a God particle, that God's really in everyone and everything. And if that's accepted, then it's just going to be everything that uh, Revelation and Matthew 24 and, and the Bible talks about. So rejoice but rejoice with trembling the bible says We've, we need to, to, to be sober in our rejoicing and not getting carried away with uh revivals at bethel church or through rodney howard brown and his holy laughter even if he's not doing holy laughter it's you know it's still the same guy he's never repented of that and why christian leaders are gathering together with somebody that was the holy ghost bartender is just another sign of the times
0: yep wow Amen. Well, it sounds like you and I are are on the same page in so many levels. Um, I, I would love to have you come back on someday.
1: Well, you know, uh, we can certainly uh, we can certainly do that. I appreciate you having me on your program. It's been uh, good, good, you know, just trying to uh, lay out some of the concerns that some of, see. Part of the thing is, and Michael, you're in the same boat. Those of us that came out of deception really see the battle that's going on. Uh, it's not like we have some really special gift or anything. It's just it's like an ex-alcoholic. He knows the tricks of alcoholics. <laughs> and so we see a lot of the stuff that we were involved in coming into the church. And um, a lot of people think it's negative to talk about these things. But in Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul says, you know, it's a shame that we have to talk about these things. But we need to bring them into the light. And we need to awaken to the truth, not awaken to to the God self that the new age. And some people in the church are now saying it's inside each and every person. So, yeah, thanks thanks again for having me on the program, and uh, we'll look forward to doing it again sometime. It's
0: been a pleasure, Warren. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: All right.